When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. That is indeed the name of the show. Blue Jays trying to close it out against Miami. It is 2-0, one out in the bottom of the ninth. Romano trying to get the save for the Jays. Edmonton Riverhawks on the road tonight. Uh, Edmonton Stingers got a road trip coming up. We're going to have one of their players on a little bit later on. And, of course, the Elks play on Sunday against Toronto at Commonwealth Stadium. 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff game at 5 here on 6.30. Chet, uh, I was talking to uh, the hockey uh storylines right now are, I suppose are a lot of rumors as we head into the draft next week and then uh, free agency uh, next Saturday will start but there there will be a pretty big announcement for the Hockey Hall of Fame coming up here tomorrow who's going to be going in later this year so I thought well it would be it'd be fun to find out a little bit more about that because it's one of those things that it pops up but what really happens so uh, we got a guy who for the athletic wrote a column today that he did like a shadow committee but he used to be on the actual selection committee you'll know who this guy is a longtime hockey writer eric duhatchik checking in tonight on inside sports eric it's reed how are you i'm really good how about you well, I'm <laughs> than the fact that the weather is as bad here in calgary as it sounds like it is in edmonton so. uh yeah it's been yeah, raining a, a lot here last probably five or six days same deal there eh Oh my goodness! I was, so I, you know, I had a busy writing day today, and we kind of had a tentative tea time out at Water Valley, and then it was like, nah, I'm not playing golf in this weather. <laughs> out there, we, there could be snow, so <laughs> I'm not prepared to uh, to push the season. But but isn't summer starting like tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I think to, I, I I think I heard our news because they put it down to the second, right? I think it officially starts at like three minutes before nine. But yeah, it is the first day of summer tomorrow. Now I'm not going to argue with the rain with all the the fires that we've uh, we've had but now there's flooding in some communities west of Edmonton like like Edson for example this can't buy a break it's been awful yeah and, and, and I, I genuinely do feel bad for them and and I'm joking about it because let's face it and we need the rain down here I was out hiking uh, this weekend and the trails are just bone dry so well, you know we can all I think absorb a little bit of cool wet weather and and, and if that makes it a better summer for everybody great you know and as you said you know we're, it's hockey weather right so we can talk about hockey without uh, feeling guilty uh, which sometimes i do when we're talking about hockey in june because maddie and i and jonesy and tubes and everybody that started covering like 45 years ago by now we would be on vacation we would be traveling in europe we would be doing we wouldn't be talking hockey you know this late and then we'll be talking hockey for another two or three weeks so you know i could go on a riff about the season is too long but uh, why don't we talk about about the thing that you wanted to talk about, which is Hall of Fame. Well, I, I, I do, but let, hey, we, we, I mean, hey, uh, 
We got like Stoff does a, a, a hockey talk show every every day all, all year. This show is uh, a little more diverse, but the Oilers are still the number one topic, of course. Uh, let, let me, I want to get your perspective though on the Golden Knights winning, and maybe specifically their defeat uh, of the Oilers. Uh, Oilers fans who are trying to uh, to bandage the wound a little bit. Yeah. So I've I've heard some fans say, well, maybe that was actually the Cup final. Maybe the Oilers in Vegas were the two best teams in, in the postseason. I, I know some people get mad that Vegas. I guess the cap stuff in the playoffs. I don't worry about that, but some people do. What's, uh, what's your take on the Golden Knights title? Well, I mean, I think they, they proved a couple of things. One is that there is no single blueprint that wins in the National Hockey League. I mean, I, I've used this as a trivia question to a lot of like hockey people that, that, that know the game. And then my question was how many homegrown players that they drafted, because they're six years in the league, so some of these players should be coming down the pipeline, did they have in the lineup on the night that they won? And the answer is one, Nick Haig. And that's it. So, you know, they are a team that has swung big in the trade market. They have made incredibly astute moves to fill out the bottom half of their roster. And I wrote about this on Friday that uh, I was struck because I used to, you know, I mean, I was at like 35 Stanley Cup finals in a row, but I haven't been at the last bunch. So I'm watching it on television like a lot of other people. And there, you know, there's Elliot Friedman and David Amber interviewing people on the ice. And every single player was two feet taller than them. And, and wider than, than, well, I guess I can't say it on the radio, but... So, so what was the, what, what's the message of, of Vegas? You know, like there, there's been this tendency to say, okay, you know, small is okay, skilled is okay. Well, Vegas just bounced that pendulum right back to big, strong, tough, beats small and skilled. And they were, they were, you know, they defended extremely well. Um, they, they, they are, they're at the skill level of, of the, the big players in the National Hockey League right now that, that wasn't there, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago when I started. I, you know, I keep focusing on, on Keegan Colasar, you know, who's big, strong, and skilled. When you think about, even think about them advancing past Dallas, and it was the fourth line on that pivotal game that got them through to the final that made the plays. And it wasn't just because they were playing big and tough and strong. They were making skilled plays. I was sitting at home watching the game on television with my wife, and Colasar is bouncing a pass off the board, like this skilled play, and Carrier is picking it up and getting it back to him, a give and go. And it's like, when did fourth lines start being being able to make plays like that. Like, we, we go back a long way. Like, fourth lines, you know, they're big and tough, and they play eight minutes, and, you know, they drop the gloves when necessary, and that has changed. And so I do think that when talking to, you know, I, you know, I don't talk to every general manager in the league anymore because I, I just don't know half of these young guys. But the people I do talk to, uh, there is a consensus emerging, which is that the pendulum is swinging back to big, to big and strong. And, and I think it's going to be reflected in, in this year's draft that, uh, you know, that if you have the choice between somebody that can play as a power forward, that can do the things that Carrier and Roy, uh, Nicholas Roy and, and, and Colasar did, those are the players that, that teams are identifying as elements of a winning team because Vegas proved it. You know, they, they just pushed people around and they pushed people around by playing a disciplined style. And that, I think, is sometimes lost in the equation because sometimes when we think about big and tough, we also, you know, it's also stupid, right? Stupid hockey. Right. They played big and tough and smart hockey. And so if the big, tough guys coming into the league are now able to play smart hockey and play between the whistles and don't, you know, get into 
into that extracurricular stuff, you know, after the whistle, then that, that, that's a formula for success. And to me, that was one of the biggest shortcomings in Florida. You know, they tried to make it stupid, and Vegas didn't rise to the bait, and, and I think ultimately that helped contribute to their win. So I, I, I was really impressed. I, I was impressed by the coaching of Bruce Cassidy, by what Kelly McCrimmon did in terms of rolling the dice, because general managers are rabbit scared for the most part in the National Hockey League. I was impressed by their pro scouting, and I'll drop some names here, Von Karpin, Kelly Kissio. I mean, these guys, I ran into Kelly in the press box. I was covering the Edmonton LA series. They're there, they're smart, they find the Chandler Stevensons, they find the Colasars, they, you know, they're the players you need to supplement the big ticket guys that they went out and got in the trade market. So that's a, that's a very functional front office in, in Vegas. And, uh, you know, a lot of people I've known for a long time, I mean, I knew Brad McCrimmon before I knew Kelly. But I have known the family since the 70s. And, you know, there is a part of me that is, that is very happy that they were able to celebrate this championship. So anyway, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the repercussions and the ramifications of this win are because I do think that teams are paying attention to what they did. And so hopefully, one, more people are swinging for the fences, and two, a little bit of crunch is brought back into the game because that's what Vegas did to me. All right, Eric Duhatchik from The uh, Athletic joining us today at Insights Sports. Good perspective there on the Golden Knights title. All right, so how long how long were you on the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee again? I was there the maximum 15 years. I couldn't <laughs> believe. I, I mean, we talk about how quickly things go by. So I joined in 2004. I was Kevin Allen's replacement. Bill Hay called me up and, and said, yeah, we're looking, you know, to put a, another writer on the committee. It's mostly made up of, you know, former general managers, players, you know, and, and they have a handful of media people in there. I think partly to ask questions because I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that we do. So he invited me on the committee. I was completely flattered. Uh, um, and, uh, and, you know, and, and again, uh, you know, a little bit intimidated going in there the first year. And then, you know, 15 years go by and, and your, you know, your term is up. And it's like, huh, I would like to have stayed on because, because it is an interesting experience. You know, you meet once a year. And, uh, you know, as we speak right now, so it's 9.14 in the East, so the dinner will be wrapping up. So there, there'll, have been a, there'll have been a meeting ahead of the dinner that they have annually in the Great Hall, uh, you know, where they talk about the logistics and a lot of nuts and bolts of things so that they don't have to deal with that in the, election, in the actual selection committee meetings in the morning. And then there's a bunch of tables set up, and the catering at the Hall of Fame is great. And, and listening to some of those, you know, ex-players and general managers spin the old stories. I mean, it was so much fun. You know, I've found myself beside Scotty Bowman, and, you know, he's just a, a fountain of information. So that's tonight, and then everybody goes to bed early, and a few people might have a cocktail or two, and then they get up in the morning, and, and, and they vote. And, you know, they had up until April 15th to nominate candidates for the, the class of uh, 2023. You, you have to parse the, the, the first-year eligible players uh, against, the, you know, the players that have been overlooked in the past. If you look at the first year crop this year, you know, Henrik Lundqvist on, on, you know, on the male player side certainly stands out. You know, Justin Williams is there, Jay Bowmeister, Corey Crawford. I don't see them as first ballot Hall of Famers, so I think it'll be Henrik Lundqvist and a whole bunch of second chance candidates. So, you, you, you know, you have to get 14 out of 18 votes. So is there, 
Is it spirited debate? Is it secret ballot? Could a guy get to 13 and somebody says, come on, somebody like, what, what happens in there that you're willing to share? Well, again, you know, like we, so, you know, as you've heard me use this preface, we are not allowed to, because of confidentiality agreements, we cannot say what exactly happens in, in inside the meetings. And the reason for that is that they want people to be able to speak freely about the pros and the cons okay. of, of, of the candidates. And, and, you know, you don't want somebody, you know, after the fact saying, you know what Eric Duhacek said about you, well, you know, that's the reason you're not in the Hall of Fame, and then <laughs> that, that's not a good thing. So, <laughs> right. I know a lot, but a lot of people, you know, don't like the quote, secrecy uh, around the Hall of Fame, but there, but there's a rational reason for it. So, but, but no, you're right, uh, and, but we are allowed to talk about procedure. So, the way the procedure works is you do need 14 out of 18 votes, which is harder than it sounds. And I think one of the reasons that you contacted me was because, you know, where I work right now, The Athletic, for years now, we've been running a shadow committee. And, and really what that means is that um, that we, 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 we take 18 of our hockey writers and editors, and, and we go through the same exercise that the Hall of Fame Selection Committee will go through tomorrow. And the reason, and I, this was my idea, and I concocted it because uh, we were talking internally about Hall of Fame snubs, and, and e even my colleagues are, this guy should be in the Hall of Fame, and that person should be in the Hall of Fame, and this builder should be in the Hall of Fame. And then finally, I, I really, I, I got set up, and I said, do you know how hard it is to get 14 opinionated, thoughtful people to agree on it? It's hard. It is, it is a very, very difficult thing. And so, so we've been doing this exercise for, for a number of years, and, uh, you know, and, and there are years when we align with some of the candidates, and other years where we elect somebody and they elect somebody different. And, uh, and, and so that's what we did this week. So you know, I chaired another version of this, and we did elect Henrik Lundqvist. But we got into a lot of problems in, in the, the male player category because I, I really thought this was going to be the year of the goaltender. So in addition to Lundqvist, you know, there's an awful lot of goaltenders that have been waiting for a long time. And it's been one of my personal pet peeves that goaltenders are underrepresented in, in, in the Hall of Fame. I, you know, I don't have the thing. I think it's like seven in the last 30 years, you know. And that, you know, that includes Roberto Luongo last year and the likes of Dominic Hasek and Ed Belfer. But I think that, you know, people like Mike Vernon, our, our legitimate Hall of Famers, I mean, Curtis Joseph, Tom Barrasso, Chris Oz. I, I mean, they're, they're, you can at the very least have the discussion about about some of these uh, these players. And when, in, in our shadow committee, we ha we only nominated eight players. Five of them were goaltenders, but we did what the Hall of Fame always does, which is we split the vote. And so I think our highest balloting goaltender was Mike Vernon, uh, but he didn't come close. And, and, and I think that that's probably what's been happening you know the last few years at the hall of fame that, that you know that there are people that uh, believe in the in the candidacy of, of a particular player but you can't get to 14 and if you can't get to 14 you don't get in and in our committee another player i think that has been overlooked that deserves to be in is sergey gonchar I think has a lot of the same credentials as Sergei Zuboff, and we managed to get it up to 12. But 12 is not 14, and if you get 12, you know you, that's not uh, that's not a Hall of Fame uh, uh, number. And on the builder's side, we had one candidate that had 13 and one that had 12. So one came up one vote short, and one came up two votes short. And, and wow. This is this is the reality of, of what the process is, and and you know when when you think about it, if you don't believe someone is in the Hall of Fame, in good conscience, you cannot 
you can't vote for them. You know, you can't vote for them. If you, it's just in your mind. It's like, okay, that's not a Hall of Famer. And so, and so I think that that is what ends up happening. I mean, they ask you to vote your conscience and and not some political expedient moment. So, um, so yeah, it's a fascinating exercise. And uh, and and I, uh, you know, even when I was on the committee, you know, I'd often go in there and think, okay, I think you know, I'm leaning towards you know, so and so, but you know, I want to hear what everyone has to say. Well, I never like 15 years. What I thought about going in and what came out of it, it never corresponded. It's just, who, who knows, right? right? Who knows? So I, I'm prepared to make a prediction, but 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 I'm also here to tell you it'll be wrong because it's never been right. <laughs> well, I, the, but Lundquist seems like a pretty safe bet. I, I mean... Okay, so I, I, I'm prepared to go out on a limb and say Henrik Lundqvist on the male player side and Caroline Willett on the women's player side should be easily in. So okay. That's you know, and so, you know, is, is there a second player on, on, on the female side? Well, you know, I, I think Megan Dugan of the, the American national team has, has some support. I think Jen Botterell, we, like within our shadow committee, we've elected her three years in a row, and, and the Hall hasn't, <laughs> oh, hasn't felt, um, you know, uh, inclined to, to follow. But, but I mean, there, there's a number of very strong female candidates. And, and on the male side, uh, it will be interesting to see how it plays out because I do think, you know, that they've gone back in time and, and done a good job of, of catching up on, on some of the European players that have probably been overlooked because, again, we always stress it's the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's not the NHL Hall of Fame. So, you know, there's an awful lot of players whose careers cross paths between, you know, like a substantial amount of time in Europe and, and a significant amount of time in the National Hockey League, and, and, and all of that matters. You know, it matters that Lundqvist won a gold medal for uh, Sweden in, in 2006. So I'm hoping that Gonchar does get elected because I think he's a he's a good candidate. And I'm hoping that Alex McGillney gets elected. We've elected him three years in a row. Again, they haven't uh, managed that at the Hall of Fame. And again, this is a battle of the Al Al Alberta thing, but I think Mike Vernon belongs there. You know, when I think about, you know, I mean, I you know, cover the Flames from the moment they arrived here. I think about when the Battle of Alberta really got interesting. It was in 1986. Because up until then, whatever goaltender the Flames happened to, to trot out against Edmonton, whether it be Don Edwards or Pat Riggin or Rayon Lemelin, they couldn't get it done. Those, you know, like Gretzky and Messi and Gossie and Curry and Anderson, they just lit those guys up. 1986, Vernon comes in as a rookie, gets them to the Stanley Cup Final three years later, helps them win the Stanley Cup Final with, you know, if Vernon doesn't play the way he did, you know, in the first round against uh, Vancouver, they're not there beating Montreal. And then eight years later, he's the MVP of the playoffs for Detroit. I mean, I think he has an extremely strong resume, and I think that the, the, the naysayers will look at his pure raw numbers and say, you know, wow, they don't look very good. Well, you know, when, when we had to consider Grant Fuhrer, when I was on the committee, the pure raw numbers didn't look that good. But guess what? He kept winning and winning and winning. And that was the highest scoring era in the National Hockey League. And, and Vernon and, and, and Grant Fuhrer and, and Patrick Waugh were the three preeminent goaltenders. Two were in the Hall of Fame. Vernon head-to-head -head against Fuhrer and, and uh, Raw, by the way, has a winning record. So, you know, I mean, will Vernon be the fourth guy? So that's my pick. Like, I'm picking two goalies, Vernon and Lundqvist, and I'm picking McGillney and Goncher. We'll see if I'm right. Okay. Well, if you're right, we'll play that audio clip tomorrow, <laughs> and we have a policy. Right. Yeah. 
Mr. Byrne. <laughs> if we have, uh, but we have a policy about predictions on this show. If they're correct, they're celebrated forever. If yeah. they're incorrect, oh, we just lost them. We, we don't know where they went. So that's what we'll do with yours. <laughs> okay, Eric. Hey, uh, I wish we had a little more. We'll have to bring you on again just to talk about this, and, and who knows? We can just bring you on to tell stories some night, too, because you're great at that. Uh, but thanks for weighing in on this. It, it's cool to kind of know how it happens, and I know you couldn't tell us everything, but you gave us a little bit of insight, which is pretty cool. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Eric Duhatchik from The Athletic checking in, uh, the former member of the Hockey Hall of Fame Selection Committee. So he told you a little bit about how it works and uh, who he thinks might be uh, announced as the class of 2023 tomorrow. Uh, Inside Sports on 630, Chad, we'll get some of uh, your f- more of your feedback about the Hockey Hall of Fame, about the Elks, and uh, we got one of the star players for the Edmonton Stingers coming up too. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, heavy hitters of injury law. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. The Blue Jays have indeed won. 2 nothing over the Miami Marlins. Kikuchi gets the win. He went six innings. Uh, the Blue Jays used a total of five pitchers in that game. Romano got the save, his 21st of the season. We got Adika Peter McNeely from the Stingers coming up. Some of your feedback on the Hockey Hall of Fame and the Elks as well. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet.